Welcome to the Small Business Edge Podcast with Brian Moran, sponsored by Pitney Bowes. Now, here's your host, Brian Moran. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Small Business Edge Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Moran. Our guest today is Jacob Block, founder and CEO of American Nitrile, a brand new manufacturer of nitrile gloves based in Grove City, Ohio, which I'm sure one day is going to be called Glove City, <laughs> right? And give it about five years. Uh, but he has an incredible story, which I think you're going to enjoy. So with that, I want to welcome to the Small Business Edge podcast, Jacob Block. Thanks for having me on, Brian. My pleasure, Jacob. So I, I've had the, the pleasure of getting to know you and your business uh, over the last four or five months. And I've been doing covering entrepreneurship in America and around the world for 30 years through publishing magazines and speaking at events and whatnot. And when I heard your story, I went, this is incredible. Like this is, you know, I don't talk in terms of unicorns because I hate that term. But when I think about that kind of that one in a million type story, you know, of somebody who really is a visionary and said, here's an opportunity, here's a market that needs to be served, I'm going to go after it. And that's what you did. And that's why I was so fascinated with your story. And add to the fact that when I met you, you were 29 years old, right? That's to me is, is truly incredible. So let's, let's, let's frame this for our listeners. You are the founder and CEO of what's going to be arguably the largest manufacturer of nitrile gloves in America, whether it's next year or the year after. Is that accurate? That's our plan. Okay. Four, three, four years ago, how much did you know about nitrile gloves? You know, I'd seen them throughout my whole life, but I didn't even know that they were called nitrile gloves. You know, I- Or nitrile, yeah, I'd say nitrile, nitrile. The, the, the doctors, nurses, dentists, et cetera, wore them. Um, and it wasn't until the pandemic when um, I was brokering PPE. Um, at the time, it started masks and gowns, and then um, in May, June of 2020, became gloves. That I knew that there was a delineation between nitrile and latex, and you know, all the various glove types. All right, so so that kind of frames the the background for you. Tell us a little bit about America, and it's pronounced American nitrile. Nitrile, nitrile, nitrile. Right. Tomato, tomato. Okay, okay, so I'm not screwing it up. No, you're good. So American nitrile. Um, tell us a little bit about when you came up with the idea of starting the company, and and you know what some of the biggest obstacles were to to getting it started. Sure. Well, the the idea all came around um, in the heat of the pandemic. Um, prior to the pandemic, I was in venture capital. Um, and the, the fund was sort of positioned at the crossroads of politics, government, and technology. So early on in February, March of 2020, I started fielding calls from folks on both sides, the supply and the demand side of PPE, and made some introductory calls and, and quickly realized that the country was going to need a lot of this pretty quickly. Um, and so we started to import it. And um, at the time, it was mainly masks and gowns, as I said. And we were selling them into, you know, hospital networks, retailers, you know, really everyone was kind of to grab whatever they could and stock it up because I didn't know how long this was going to last and 
you know, if this was airborne or, or whatnot. So our, our main sort of uh, differentiator in the, at the time was that we didn't require any LC or down payment or deposits on the uh, PPE. So if you were, you know, sourcing this in the gray market and trying to figure out, you know, who's legit, who's going to actually deliver on the product for us, we would just say, give us a purchase order and we would deliver the product without any, any, without any, you know, firm commitment or deposit from the buyer. Mm-hmm. And it allowed us to spread really quickly and we gained trust pretty quickly. And then when, when gloves became the must have um, in June, May timeframe, um, it was the hardest thing to procure. The the supply and demand curves were, were way out of whack. It wasn't like a mask or a gown that you could quickly build a factory for and get the and source the raw materials for. You know, the industry was operating at 90 plus percent utilization. The raw material, the main one, NBR, nitrile butadiene rubber, was only really geared for gloves. So it wasn't like you could pull that out of other industries. Um, and it really was perplexing that it was the only PPE category we couldn't procure, we couldn't build the supply chain for. And it's what really spoke, uh, sparked the intrigue um, in the industry. And we started to look into it. And the more we looked into it, the more we thought that, that this could be done in the United States, you know, beyond the pandemic. We knew that the pandemic was going to come to an end eventually. And we were trying to, you know, build a business model beyond that. Or, or in our case, we were looking at a pre-pandemic. Um, and for a lot of reasons, and we can get into them uh, over this, this conversation, but Nitro Gloves sort of um, kept kind of resurfacing as a great business opportunity beyond the pandemic. And that's what spoke to, you know, sparked the interest and got us into the space. So when you say we, who, who's we? Well, the team now is much larger, but uh, at the time um, it was Casey Hall and myself. And, um, you know, there was a ton of contractors that were pitching in and playing a role, but, you know, it was mainly myself and um, Casey Hall. All right. So this is now we're in what twenty twenty one time frame twenty 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 and yeah. you say hey Casey let's let's manufacture gloves in the United States yeah it was you know July twenty twenty I remember the day I'm like why is no one doing this you know and, and at that point we had spent some money doing some diligence on the space pre pandemic and we realized that um, it was a, a handful of families in Malaysia that controlled eighty percent of the world supply four out of every 10 gloves were sold into the United States. Um, they were sold through layers of distribution. Um, automation had come quite a ways, not all the way where we thought we could take it um, to sort of level the arbitrage and the labor rates between the continents. Um, and, you know, with the supply chain, everyone is wanting just-in-time delivery more and more, the Amazon mindset. But since the pandemic, there's also a just-in-case mindset. And building the, the factory on U.S. soil, you could really shorten the supply chain. Um, customers and distributors wouldn't need to carry, you know, six months to a year of inventory on hand. Plus, you had a, 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 a wave of forced labor um, WROs coming out out of Malaysia because of, um, you know, their, their systematic uh, debt bondage system of immigrant labor. Mm-hmm. Or they would recruit folks from Bangladesh and, and Nepal, bring them in. They they pay these exuberant um, recruiting fees, and um, they would be forced to live on the campus of the factory, shop at the canteen, you know, at the factory. In in the CBP, Custom Border Patrol was getting wise to that, and they were putting you know some of the largest glove manufacturers in the world on WRO, which means they couldn't import into the United States. So the, the reasons kept piling up um, for this business case, and um, you know we were lucky to be where we were at the time and we jumped at the opportunity. 
Okay. So it's July, 2020. You say, okay, we're going to do this now. But you thought we needed like this. This is not just let's open up a corner store. You know, let's, let's, let's lease this for two grand a month and, and we'll make gloves. I mean, you have a 527,000 square foot facility in Grove City, Ohio, right? You have state-of-the-art equipment, right? You have some of the brightest minds in the world who are helping you to produce what will be the highest quality gloves in the world. Am I correct? Absolutely. Okay. How do you get from the idea stage? Now, you had you went out and you got a, a, a group of investors, right? And then you you took out a loan. You were were you too late for the PPP money from the government because the government gave out, I think it's about a half a billion dollars, right, to glove manufacturers. Yeah, I, I don't know why we didn't get it. Um, we we went for it, um, but I, I think we missed the window slightly. Um, yeah. And anyway, I think it in the long run made us stronger because we were scrutinized by you know institutional investors and building the business case and taking out the government from from all aspects you know on the on the buy side as well um so you know kind of a blessing and a curse but um yeah we we were one of the the few companies that did not that did not get a grant from the fed so you got your investors you you took out a loan and you bought a, a 520,000 square foot facility in grove city ohio yeah so um the thesis for all of that was you have to compete with with Asia. If you can't compete on a on a per basis level, you're never going to be successful in the long term. The, the COVID bubble was going to pop. You know, this is a commoditized product, and people buy on price. At least the big volume buyers buy on price, and eighty percent of these gloves get sold through distribution. So you gotta you gotta be able to sell these gloves where the, the distributor can sell them to the end user and still make money. Um, so how do you how do you get there? How do you get there on price with with when you compete with slave labor and, and Asian countries? Really, the, the ultimate answer to that is scale, right? Our fixed costs are fixed. Our rent is what it is. You know, our our C suite, our, our skilled labor is what it is. It's it's really how many pieces, how many gloves in our case can you amortize all of those over? And how do you and how how many does that have to be to, for you to be able to sell these at a comparable price? And so that was sort of the way we backed into this, as mm-hmm. we said. Yeah. How many gloves do we need to produce to be able to produce it for a comparable price? And that got us into the, you know, three and a half, four billion range. Um, and so the thinking was, if you were to go smaller and, you know, invest 40, 50 million and a hundred thousand square foot, you could never get there based on the, the, the size of the machinery and the output and, and also the utility that this requires. Um, so we read, we said, you got to go big or go home in this case. And that's what we did. So you found the, the the facility in Grove City, and then you went out and you got state-of-the-art equipment, and then you went out and you got the brightest minds to help you build everything. Correct. Yeah. I mean, from a high level, we, we knew what we had to do. We didn't know how challenging it was going to be each step of the way, but that, again, was a blessing. You know, being naive in our case was, was a good thing um, yeah. because it, it set us out on this. And we in July, sort of put the business plan together. A lot of it was predicated on COVID, but you know, we, we were cautious to say that this would be successful beyond COVID. And we were fortunate to raise around 30-ish million in equity um, at the jump. And then that really gave us the wind in our sails to build the rest of the, the infrastructure and the support system that we would need. And that allowed us to later on down the road, bring in an institutional lender 
Um, and that's really what we've used to finance, you know, all the growth and expansion to date um, for the project. But, and I've heard you say, first of all, I, I've toured your facility and it is absolutely incredible. One of the things I know you're very proud of is the fact that it's a green facility where uh, your carbon footprint is, is whatever it is, you know, to get you to where you're taking the, the uh, surrounding area into consideration as you build it. Um, yeah, that's a big, that's a big component for really every company starting today. Um, right. And in companies in, in existence today is how are you going to um, lessen the, the carbon footprint? And for us, there was one kind of given is the fact that now producing these products here, you don't need to use trans-Pacific vessels, which contribute, you know, a couple percentage points to the global emissions every year. Um, so you, you could immediately remove that from the equation. But the amount of utility that gloves, specifically nitro gloves, consume in the manufacturing process is, is staggering. And so when we were setting out to, to map out how we were going to bring the utilities to the site, who, who we were going to need to work with and what we, we could do to reduce that, um, you know, the, the water was a, a quick, you know, great. It was a great solution, really. There was that we would just recycle it. And so that involved building an, an on-site uh, water treatment plant that is really could service around 300,000 homes. Um, but that's how much water this process uses. Each case of, of nitro gloves consumes about 80 gallons of water. And so for us, recycling that, there was a strong business case and a quick ROI to building the infrastructure to process all that water on site. Um, But it will allow us to recycle about 40 of those 80 gallons back into the process. I mean, that's that really is incredible. Another thing I heard you say when we were talking is um, the fact that these gloves are not going to sit in containers for months on end, that you can have... You can have your gloves anywhere in the United States in as little as two days. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that, um, you know, is a, is a detriment to quality is when these gloves are come off the line in, in Malaysia or China, they get tested, um, you know, they print the spec sheets and that's what they sell. But the reality is these things sit in containers for a month to two on the water in 120 degrees Fahrenheit. Some of our ovens, Brian, are, are calibrated to 120 degrees Fahrenheit. So it's essentially sitting in an oven for a month and a half, and it erodes the quality and the integrity of the glove. And so if you were to take that same glove after it had gone through the transit period and test it, it's not going to perform like it did at the, at the initial test. For us, we've removed that all out of the supply chain, right? And so gloves can literally be consumed weeks or months after they're produced, where in, in the Asian supply chain, that's impossible. When you put an order in, you, you know, the factory takes a month or two to produce it. It's got to get to the port. It's going to sit on a shipping container for two months. Once it gets through the U.S. port, it's got to sit in a warehouse. And whoever's carrying that inventory needs to carry a little bit of inventory, you know, anywhere between three to six months. And then whoever's the end user usually, you know, carries a little bit of inventory. So, I mean, you're really looking at, could it, in best case, six to eight months. And in most cases, it's anywhere between, you know, eight to 12 months between the glove being manufactured and actually being consumed. And these things have shelf lives, right? So the sooner you can use it, the better performance it's going to have, the less problems you're going to have. Which is, is obviously a huge selling point for you, right? One of the other things I've heard you talk about too, was not just today, the today's version of a nitro glove for frontline workers and industrial workers, you you want your clients to rethink the the future 
of what the glove market looks like, right? You you you're hoping to introduce some sort of or create some sort of innovation hub in, in in this product category, right? Where you're taking the gloves to the next level. Correct. Yeah. So, you know, we feel that this category really hasn't been innovated in the 20, 30 years that it's been in existence. It's pretty much the exact same thing. There's been some innovation on the production side, but not necessarily the product side. It's gotten thinner, um, but that's not necessarily better. It, we want to be that innovation hub that rolls out the new technology in the space every year, you know, twice a year, whatever it may be. And we've secured patents on what we feel is the next generation of nitro gloves. Um, and you know, I'm not going to tell you now we're not ready to roll out to the to the world yet. But you know, over the next six to twelve months, we'll, we'll be innovating product. You know, we we felt quality and um, you know reliability on this glove. We want to be the most. We will be the most you know, the best on the market. But that for us is just a starting point. We think there's a lot of, of, of areas to improve the quality, the the performance of the glove throughout the industries. Um, and, and so far, the, the people we floated it to have been really receptive about it. Well, let me ask you about that. What what has the response been? So you, I know that you and your team have been going out to events and talking to everyone from government agencies to hospitals to uh, industrial companies about it. What, what are they saying about what you're offering? Well, a lot of them get it right away, right? They're, they're tired of managing a year long supply chain, trying to forecast 12 months out. It's been really difficult. A lot of them are stuck with excess inventories or they can't get their inventories right. So it's always cyclical whether they're doing it right. And, and too often they're not. So when we talk to a distributor, for example, they love the supply chain simplification and they love that they can get the product when they need it, where they need it, and they don't have to import it themselves. Some of the end users never have to deal with that because they're buying through distribution, but but they really appreciate the quality aspect and the innovation aspect that, that, we, that we're offering them. And they're saying, well, yeah, you know, immediately we can, we want that. It makes sense. Why would we want a, a glove that sat on a container for two months when we can have a glove that just rolled off the line? Um, and so, you know, it depends who we're talking to on, on what benefits and value we're bringing to the table. But, you know, all the way up and down the, the chain, um, there, there's value added to sourcing domestically. And if you can do it for a comparable price, you know, if you we, we, we joke, if you, if you sit down with somebody and you show them a, a box of gloves from China and an identical box of gloves, same price from the United States, I mean, it's 100 out of 100 times they're picking the American box, right? So yeah, we felt that if, if all things being equal, um, the U.S. manufacturer is going to win that that day every day, and so that that was our baseline for you know doing it here. So, what is the ET? So, I know you are right at the or near the finish line in terms of rolling out production of these gloves. Where are we from from today? Where are you to getting the first gloves produced off the line? Yeah, so we're we're days potentially maybe weeks out from producing our first glove. The line's um, fully built, um, about 90, 95% tested. And now it's just a, a matter of time until, you know, we're, we're filling the tanks with latex um, and, wow. and we're making gloves. It's going to take, you know, a couple of weeks to fine tune it, make sure we're making, you know, the glove we, we want to make. Um, and then our, our plan is to have samples out to customers in the first half of November. Wow. So th- it's pretty exciting. Very exciting. It's amazing. This is what got me excited about the whole company is that <clears throat> here you are, you know, 
somewhat outside the industry. I mean, you, you know, you're VC and you're brokering deals, but you're not getting into the weeds of, of what it takes and, and, you know, to produce these gloves, which are a critical component for especially frontline workers. Like I think about all the other industries, hospitality and industrial and stuff like that. But I really, when I think about the nitro gloves that you're going to be producing, I think about those frontline workers and what they need in order to do their jobs. And I think that's what you saw when when you first had the vision of what this company could be. Is that correct? Absolutely. And I mean, it was kind of to our surprise, but to our, to our benefit that the gloves that this industry consumes are only about 50% into the medical space. So acute settings, hospital systems, et cetera, vets, dental um, mm. are about half. And then there's an equally bigger, big market in industrial, Jansan, um, food and beverage, automotive, aviation, et cetera. And, and those folks, while they're not saving lives per se, they are incredibly dependent on nitro gloves. And it's, yeah. it's, a, it's just as big as a consumable in those industries as it is in um, you know, the medical side. And it's also more of a fragmented market. So you don't have you know, a couple huge hospital systems per city. You've got literally dozens, if not hundreds of, of distributors into all those industries. So it, it creates a lot of opportunity. So they're going to notice. I mean, when nurses put your gloves on, they're going to know the difference. Absolutely. Yeah. It's a, it's, it's a much softer glove. Um, you know, the, the dexterity, the, the fit of it. Um, you know, we, we've tried to, you know, innovate all of the, the basics essentially. And, and then we'll come out with some, we think revolutionary breakthroughs here in the next six months. I'm just picturing like, like, a uh, like a, a new, like a Starbucks opening or something, you know, for the first time in an area and the line going down the block and around the corner. <laughs> I mean, is that, is that, it would be crazy, right? You know, the, the, you see all of these nurses and doctors and whatnot standing outside your, your warehouse waiting to pick up yeah. their of, uh, nitro gloves. <laughs> They're all invited to, to stop by. We, we typically go to them. Um, yeah, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's exciting. We've sold out, um, through the end of the year, um, with companies we feel are the right partners that we want to scale with. Mm. Um, but you know, there's always opportunity and, and different folks that, you know, really, you know, it's, it's interesting because when you talk about hospitals, the folks that use the gloves every day, aren't necessarily the ones buying the gloves, hospitals, right. departments and whatnot. And it's, it's, it's pretty complex network of, of folks that, that collaborate on that. Um, but when you actually can get to the clinical trials within these hospitals, the, 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 the folks that wear these gloves literally countless times a day, they really care about the performance and the quality and the fit. Um, and so th those are the folks that really appreciate the difference in what we're doing. Um, and so when we can collaborate those folks with the procurement folks, it, it creates a really nice synergy. I'm, I'm excited for you. I'm, I really am. I think this is, you, you got to, unbelievable story. So here's my last question for you. Five years from today, where do you want this company to be? And, and more importantly, where do you want to be in the, in the next five years? Hmm. The, um, the market opportunity here, we think, is, is vast. So, um, Brian, prior to the pandemic, the U.S. consumed about 120 billion nitro gloves annually. Um, and that number was growing between 6 and 10 percent year over year. Um, we're coming online with um, about three and a half billion gloves, right? So there's there's a lot of room to, to, to scale up. And we, we, we plan to stabilize plant one, um, quickly get into a plant two, 
where we could start to meet 10 plus percent of the U.S. consumption here annually. Um, and then it's okay, great. Let's see if maybe there's we, we've saturated the the U.S. manufacturing side of gloves, but if not, you know, let's keep growing that that category, and then let's look at what other products the U.S. is the largest consumer for that Asia produces. You know, 90 plus percent of it, and see where we can disrupt that, those supply chains. What, what what categories make sense for us to, to disrupt? I think most important thing we're doing here is we're building the blueprint for domesticating manufacturing. Uh, manufacturing sustainably, but also profitably. And if it's not profitable, you won't have a sustainable business. So um, those are the two factors we look at. And I really think, you know, it's a, it's a really long laundry list of products that the U.S. needs to, to start manufacturing. I want you to circle in your calendar. Let's call it May 15th, 2023. I want to have you back on our podcast because I want a, an update on just okay, we're sold out through 2023 and now we're taking orders for 2024. That would be music to my ears because like I said, I think you got a fantastic company. It's amazing how you have built this. You know, this is not, like I said, you're not selling teacups, you know, and you're not selling or t-shirts or things like that. You literally saw an opportunity on a grand scale to change an industry. And you're going after it. And as far as I can tell, American Nitro will be the largest manufacturer of the highest quality gloves, you know, in the world at the end of the next year. That's our goal. And I'd love to come back on in May and yeah. uh, share with you all the progress. But I know yeah. you'll, you'll stay close to us. So, yeah. Uh, oh, no doubt. Time, Brian. No doubt. I appreciate it. Well, listen, I, I know you're busy. I appreciate your time. Uh, I look forward. I will share with our listeners updates on our site. Maybe I'll write a blog or something, you know, take some pictures of the first gloves coming off, first box being sold, stuff like that. Uh, but you got an unbelievable story. I'm excited. Thank you for being a guest on our podcast. Thanks and to our me. listeners, this is what you asked for, right? You wanted uh, part of the feedback we got from you is you wanted to hear about entrepreneurs who are chasing their dreams and making them happen. Well, Welcome to Jacob Block's story and the founder and CEO of American Nitro. It's it's a fantastic story. And next week, we'll bring you another episode of the Small Business Edge podcast. And you'll hear about another entrepreneur trying to, to disrupt the market. Until then, best of luck in your businesses. Keep the feedback coming and we'll talk to you soon. Take care, everybody. You've been listening to the Small Business Edge podcast with Brian Moran, sponsored by Pitney Bowes. Please visit our website, smallbusinessedge.com, for a listing of future podcasts.